Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to author and illustrator Sylvie Kantorovitz. Sylvie is on the show today to talk about her graphic novel memoir that is self-titled. Yes, it's titled Sylvie, and we talk about art, we talk about her career, we talk about her growing up. It's a wonderful episode. I know you're absolutely going to love it. I know my daughter did uh, because sharing the same name, she's been drawn to that graphic novel and has absolutely loved it. So, uh, but before we get to that episode, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my interview with Sylvie is coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is noted author, illustrator, and the most popular children's book author in my household right now, Sylvie Kantorovitz. Sylvie, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. I am excited. And I made that joke. Uh, we were getting to uh, acquaint it a little bit before we started recording. And so for listeners of the podcast, you might remember that I have a daughter who is also named Sylvie. And so when my daughter discovered Sylvie's self-titled memoir graphic novel in the library featured in a place of prominence, she, the world stopped. She saw it. She said, this is my name. And she flipped it over, and it was about an aspiring artist who lives in Paris. And she said, this is me. Like, this is aspirationally who I want to be. She's got a little brother. Like, all the things. And so she's gravitated to it. And I don't think we've uh, – so our library allows us to keep books checked out for a very long time. And I think we keep rechecking it and rechecking it. I don't even remember the first time we've had it out. We've had it for so long. So it's wonderful. It's incredible. But uh, Sylvie – I am so glad that you're on the show today. We're obviously going to be talking about the self-titled memoir. We're going to be talking about art in general. Um, but for listeners to the podcast, if this is your first time. So here at the Detox Podcast, uh, we like to invite our listeners to quote-unquote detox from the world around them and uh, just sit back and relax 45, 60 minutes, however long the episode is, and, and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I do like to start out with a question right at the top of the episode. Sylvie, what are you currently detoxing from? So I I listened to a couple of your podcasts, so I knew the question was coming. <laughs> um, and um, this is what I'm detoxing from, and it it requires a little explaining at first. So we have tons of thoughts, and I like to think of all my thoughts living in a closet inside of my brain, a huge closet. Right. And part of that closet has thoughts, and they are all a jumble. They, they, there's no way of organizing them. They, they come from all kinds of places. Some thoughts come from my own volition, but a lot of thoughts come from my culture, from my background, from my growing up. And I realized that those thoughts are not necessarily thoughts I want. Some of those are not necessarily thoughts I want to keep. Right. 
And one of my job in the last, oh, I would say four or five years has been to um, clean up my closet of thoughts. So it's a form of detoxing and it takes practice because thoughts, uh, unwanted thoughts come back a lot. Yes. And I listen to them and I say, you know what, thought, I don't really want you in my closet right now. <laughs> right. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. And a lot of those thoughts are thoughts that come from um, our culture. Mm. And because I'm a very introverted person and we live in a very extroverted culture, right. some thoughts that I was trying to uh, to to uh, adapt myself to were things like, um, it's important that people like you. And yeah. I thought, no. <laughs> I think it's okay if some people don't like me. So it was very liberating for me to let go of that one. Or another thought that is very, very American, and I didn't grow up with that one. It's it's very important to be popular. Mm. And I realized, no, I, I don't really need to keep that thought in my mind. So I have a whole list of them, and I'm not going to necessarily... Um, ramble them on but so i am detoxing from thoughts that are intrusive and i don't believe are beneficial to my thought closet that is well said i was reflecting on something similar recently in preparation for this and and realized that lately i've been mentally rushing from mm. task to task all day without ceasing and I had this realization. I think part of it is necessity, right? Kids have to go to school. You have to get up, have to go to work. Some of these things are built in. And then I realized when the day ended, I was rushing to sleep. Like that was another thing as if, were, as if it was a meeting. You were in a rushing mode. Yes. And so I would rush. I would sleep. I would sleep very fitfully, not restful, and wake up, start it all over again. And that's been going on for a few weeks. And it occurred to me. A couple days ago, I said, I think I needed just just five minutes where I'm not rushing. And I gave myself that grace and I slept the best I've slept in months. It was only five minutes. Only That's five minutes. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And it gave me the clarity to say, I need to detox also from the thought of I have to rush. I have to get to this next thing. It's exhausting. It's literally exhausting. And to your point, we don't need to give power to some of these thoughts because they're unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Oh, I love it. Well, if folks haven't picked up on, on uh, your voice, there is a little bit of an accent there. So Sylvie, you did not grow up. You mentioned a moment ago, you did not grow up here in America. So where, where did you come from before landing in America, landing, so arriving, was... whatever? I did land, really. <laughs> but I, I was born in Morocco, um, in, in Casablanca, which people my age find very romantic because yeah. of the Humphrey Bogart movie. Of course. Um, but I do not remember Morocco. My family um, moved back to France when I was five. So the, 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 my growing up is really a French growing up. Um, but I, um, I came to this country when I was... 21 to visit 2021 and then i came back when i was 25 and i stayed 
So I've been living here longer than I've lived in France, and yet the accent is there to stay. There is no getting rid of it. <laughs> I I love it. So I had the um, the opportunity to, I would say, visit uh, uh, France several years ago. Um, so I was uh, studying overseas, and I got to go to Paris for a bit. And what I found very um, what I would say made such an impression on me was I felt this innate sense of, um, I would say perhaps like uniqueness within, within and amongst the people that I interacted with this, this, um, I'm pursuing what is true to me and this is what I'm going forward with. And I don't have this sort of need or thought of like, well, what is the most popular thing to do? What is everybody going to like? It was very much, I'm going to go my own way and, and forge my own path. And and I've always reflected on that whenever I get sucked into some of those thoughts is like, now, wait a minute, let's remember some other cultures that I've been around and some other experiences. And so I think it's so critical for folks who, um, especially here in America, if you've only been around folks that are the same and think the same and, and have the same perspective, um, you're, you're limiting yourself to, to that right. extent. So, it, of course, you, you mentioned that was in Paris and Paris is, is the capital. It's a big city. It would be like um, it might be similar if you went to a large city like New York City, sure. where people are very indiv have a lot of individuality to themselves. Right. So I did not grow up in Paris. I grew up in a in a small in a small town, and um, and so that individuality may not have been present then. Uh, it was very homogeneous. Mm. It was very white. Um, there was very much an idea of you have to find a job, and a job with the government is the greatest thing. So. Um, I did grow up with some preconceived notions that that is not that is not only in America sure, that you find fair, this, fair. believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was growing up in a in a beautiful, beautiful area. It's called Burgundy mm. and that's rolling hills. It's farmland. It's very rich. It's very beautiful. And I know it now as an adult when I was a child, I just took it for granted. Sure. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I. I like it. Well, talking about growing up, I want to I want to wind the clock back a bit because your your graphic novel memoir Sylvie, the self-titled yeah. one, references a bit of childhood. So so talk to me about what were some of your first forays into art illustration? How did you get started? What were some of your earliest inspirations? So I always like to draw no, no question about it. That, was, that in fact, that's a big sub. That's a big theme of my of my book. That the the I would say the main theme of the book is in fact the developing of the of the art and and uh, where I went with that. So uh, I always like to draw, but I, I drew in a family and in a culture where as a notion of using something that is fun. Or rather, if you enjoyed something, it could not become a career. A career was something that was probably uh, uh, not fun. And to me, the idea of a work and fun did not mix. Mm. So, um, so I always drew, but never made it a, a, a thought of a future. Yeah. Until after high school, 
And that is also in the book. That's towards the end. So I don't want to say too, too much mm -hmm. about it. But at the after high school, I uh, took a little class in the community center and the an art class, of course. And the art teacher said, uh, have you ever thought of going to the Beaux-Arts? And it seemed like almost like a an idle comment. But yeah. the second I heard that line, it was like I heard a major big truth about myself, that that is what I wanted to do. So um, I didn't go there right away because I, I had an instinct that maybe um, that was not the best way to make a living, <laughs> but uh, definitely that stayed in my mind that sure. um, art could be a place to go to at some point. Mm -hmm. So yes, eventually, I, um, in the meantime, I became a teacher, um, an elementary school teacher but I wanted to do art and I had the chance to come to America for a year abroad. And I went to the Art Students League in New York City, but my, I didn't really know what I was gonna do with it. I, I, I took fine art. I really was trained in fine art, oil painting, drawing from the model, yeah. um, copying paintings at the museum, at the Metropolitan Museum and later at the Louvre in Paris. It is, while I was in New York City that I entered, uh, I was always in bookstores looking at art books. Sure. Remember, there's no internet in those right. days. So looking at museums, looking at art books, that's where you, you saw art. And then my eyes wandered over to the nearby shelf of children's books, picture books. And suddenly I thought, these are not paintings in the museum, but they're good. Yeah. I like those. I really like those. And more and more, I looked at them and I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do pictures for, for books. So my, my, um, my first foray into the art world was picture books. And, I was, and, and, I, and I'm still in it. I mean, that's really my thing is picture books. But um, I, I also loved graphic novels yeah. and I read a huge amount of them, never thinking I could do them because I realized, oh, it takes too much, too much skill, too much focus to do a book that is that long, that, that many pictures. Sure. And then, um, and then I gave myself a challenge once. It was a challenge like I'm going to do a, just for fun. I was going to do a drawing a day and post it on the, on Facebook. You know, a lot of people do that. Sure. It's kind of a way to push yourself a little bit beyond some limits and getting right. some feedback from friends. So I did a picture a day and then uh, after it was like 2013, I think. And then at some point, and the pictures were all kinds. They were abstract. They were trees. They were people. They, they anything I wanted to do. I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. And at some point, a little character showed up and it looked a little like a, a sausage to whom I, I gave some hair. And, <laughs> and somehow I called that sausage Suzette. And, and that little character wanted a story. So my drawing a day became a page of comics every three or four days. Wow. And I gave a little story to that character. And it was a story based on my life as an adult, sure. what was going on in my life as an adult. And friends liked it. And I went on and on. And then after maybe a year and a half, I realized, you know, I can do this. I can do 
over a hundred pages. I can do hundreds of little panels. Why don't I try to do it for what I called for real? But it, I mean, it was, of course, what I was doing right, was for right. real, but for, for a project of a book. Sure. And that's how it worked out. So I have to actually thank the internet for this because the the the, the feedback that you get from uh, your follower, I don't have a lot of followers, I would say, should say from friends, right. was enough to keep me going. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And, it, and you get that you get that instant feedback, right? The instant feedback of, oh, right. I like this, or, ooh, I'm interested, what's going to happen next? And then you right. can, you don't have to sort of send it out and wait. You're getting that in real time. And it's then, immediate, yeah. and, it, and it's absolutely not something you have when you do a book, because right. when you do a book, you are in solitude in your room, and that can take a, a few years, or many months to a few years, depending on what book and, and what kind of... Uh, speed you work at but right. it, it was really different i felt like i felt very supported that way yeah i love yeah. it so taking that uh that uh drawing every day and then and then evolving that to to the the comics every three or four days how then did you make the connection from that activity to crafting what ended up being sylvie okay so you know we we have tons of thoughts in our heads, and sometimes um, we need maybe three or four different thoughts coming from different areas to collide. Yeah. And once they collide, one idea comes up. So I knew I knew I, I liked graphic novels. I really liked that. I grew up on comic books because uh, French culture really allows for that. And even in my days, the the, the world of comics is, was very very de well developed. Yeah. It's America has easily caught up with it, so there's no problem there. Um, and and even we have developed a, a, a nice, um, I would say, a very nice um, personality, American personality of graphic books that I really like. But in any case, so I knew I liked that form of expression. I knew I wanted to maybe tell about my experience in France because that's something that's a little different and people are often interested about a different right. culture, especially in, in America, when you talk about France, the people are, are usually very interested. And, and they, they, Americans tend to imagine things as maybe a little bit nicer than they really are, but that's okay. <laughs> and then Fair. the third thing that happened was I was having a, a get-together with some friends and I idly mentioned that I grew up in a school. Uh, my father was the principal of a school and there was an apartment in the school and I, and I did not think twice about it. And right. my friends were flabbergasted. They were, what? You lived in a school? Tell us more. What happened? And I realized, okay, that could be the beginning of my story. That, that could be the, the, the framework of my story. The years I lived in the school, which were actually pretty much the years of my growing up. So I thought I will, I will, I didn't know how I was going to handle this because I had never done a, a long book before. And I thought, I'm just going to write anecdote after anecdote connected more or less with the school where I lived and yeah. see where that goes. And it just, um, it was endless. Uh, they, the, the anecdotes kept coming. Things I had forgotten kept coming. So I would say that's how it, that's how it started. Yeah. I love that. What has been your experience 
interacting with kids and adults since releasing it out into the world last year? So um, I've interacted with a few kids during book festivals and many adults uh, who, who knows through the social media or reviews. So I'm going to say the adults, I am surprised how many adults are reading, and I shouldn't have been surprised, but I'm surprised how many adults um, love reading the book. Yeah. Um, and I said I shouldn't have been surprised because I love reading um, books for that are originally intended for younger readers. I, I, I devour them myself. So um, the adults can tell me what they like um, because children, not so much. But yeah. uh, the, the adults have said, um, we recognize that feeling of feeling uh, that feeling of being um, not fitting in because right. there's a lot of that in my book of not feeling like I fit in. Uh, we recognize the feeling of not knowing what to do later on in life and, and, and feeling stressed about that. Yeah. Um, we recognize um, the feeling of being annoyed at your little brother. You know, <laughs> it, it can be all kinds of things yeah. that way. But parents have told me what their kids, even if the kids cannot always tell me what they like, because they say, oh, we love the book. It's so cool. It's right. great. But they don't know exactly why. The parents can tell me why they like the book. So I've heard that some kids really don't know what they're going to do later in life and find comfort yeah. in seeing that it's not such a big deal because eventually you will know. Yeah. Some kids know exactly what they do, want to do in life and they enjoy reading the book because there is eventually a long-term plan by the end of the book. Yeah. And that's comforting to them, too. So there's, again, that notion of not fitting in. There's also, oh, budding artists, of course, like yep. to read the book because they, they like the, you know, the drawings in there that I, I, I um, I'm going to tell that for the listener is that the, the book contains a lot of recreated drawings and I've, I've made them um, developing in the way that the art develops from young age to an older age. Yeah. So we can the art changing from maybe um, six to seven year olds all the way to high school kids. So some the, the kids really like uh, those drawings. They're not real because I don't have any drawings from my childhood, but they are how I imagine uh, a child would draw. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things I really, I, there's a little anecdote I, that's so dear to me. I was at a book festival and at the very beginning of the book festival, a little boy arrives at the table with his mother and says, I, I want this book. And the mother says, we just arrived. Let's look all around and decide what we want. And I, that is a very valid decision. <laughs> so I thought, OK, they'll find something else, obviously. A couple hours later, so obviously they stayed there a long time. A couple hours <laughs> later, they come back to the table the little boy grabs the book and hugs the book as if he had found a new friend. Oh. And that to me was uh, like the reason why I, I wrote this book. It was enough to have one child looking so delighted, like yeah. seeing your daughter seeing, yeah. looking so delighted. It, it makes all the reason to write the book. Yeah. It's that, worth it. That, it, that same exact scenario as of the hugging of the book that is mm -hmm. what I've witnessed in our household. 
um, routinely. Crazy. And it, it, it is the, I think, though she can't ar- articulate it necessarily, there's multiple themes in there in yeah. which she gravitates towards, right? That it's okay to not know. And and sometimes you won't fit in. And that's okay, too. And mm-hmm. and But, yes, she consistently references the artwork and how much she enjoys it thoroughly and just getting to watch her read through it again and again and again and then laugh you know in the same spots and get real quiet in other spots has been a a delight in our household so getting to hear that same type of feeling replicated with with multiple other kids specifically this one that you're referencing is incredible. I mean, to your point, that's what that's what you want. You want someone to have that connection because that then then every it you know it, it makes it worth it in in that. It makes instance. it worth it. I, I tell you, watching your daughter and her big smile, <laughs> I, I she's happy to see me. She doesn't make, realize I'm just as happy to see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, now I know that. Uh, so you talked about your start in picture books. So. Um, Sylvie was obviously not the first thing that you had published or worked on that was a published work. So what are some other pieces of work that you've enjoyed, uh, um, I would say, uh, crafting over the years? You know, I think I enjoy every single book I've done at the time I do it. Sure. Later on, I might say, oh, that one was not as good as I could have. But at the time I do it, it's always a joy for me to work. Now, that doesn't mean that work is easy. I, I can go through uh, a lot of discouragement when some things don't work out. I can go through um, many moments where I think, I have no idea how to handle this particular book. And um, and I've learned something, which is, um, I, I'm, it doesn't matter where it comes from, but uh, there's this idea that, of course, you don't know how to do this particular books because you haven't done it yet. Right. Yeah, the that's only, a good point. Is that good? The yeah, only like time it. you'll know how to do this book is when you'll be done with it. Right. <laughs> and I love that thought because now when I feel discouraged or, 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 or stressed because I don't know how to handle a page, I think, well, of course, I don't know how. I haven't done it yet. So, um, so I enjoyed um all the books but i do a lot of art on the on the side too completely free form that's completely for myself um i call it my play table and i just play with um a lot of collage acrylics whatever comes through my mind and one thing i've done which was a big surprise for me uh was uh, a few years ago i was asked by the city of albany to uh, do a big mural downtown so I made a big street mural, and, and one of my favorite piece of art is street art, uh, area of art is street art. So I'm very proud to have added one piece of street art to the world. I and, love uh, it. And, and, and it's, it's, it was a great fun, great fun to draw. Because, you know, for graphic novel, you draw tiny. Yeah. And for street art, here I was drawing as big as I could. So it was such a different, different thing to do. It was great fun. Oh, I love that. You know, we've been talking about um, 
thoughts a lot this episode, right? We started out detoxing from certain thoughts and you talked about a mindset shift as far as, as coming across something that's difficult, you know, oh, well, of course I don't know how to do this. I haven't done it yet. And so I, I just, I love that as we're thinking about, um, I would say nearing the, nearing this part of the episode, what is some advice that you would have for either aspiring young artists or perhaps artists that are a little bit older, but just what advice would you like to give to listeners who are artists? So, you know, that question happens a lot whenever you are uh, in the world of uh, producing art. And I have to say, it's always a little bit of a difficult question for me to answer because we're all so different. Yeah. We are we we have different goals, we have different motivations, we are of different um different different intensity of focus. So I'm gonna try to give the advice I would give somebody a little bit like like me. Um first of all, I think if if your parent was a child who likes to draw, I think it's wonderful because the child will never be alone. There's always going to be paper and pencil, uh, paper and pencils. And to me, they're my best friends are my paper and pencils. It's almost like I, I'm not alone when I draw, yeah. uh, especially when I was a child. Now it's more like it's more work oriented. So there is maybe a little bit of a different framework, framework to it. But when I was a child, the paper was an escape, was a wonderful escape to not that my life was bad, but we all need an escape sometimes right. from, you know, schoolwork and little brother and and house chores and stuff like that. Right. So um, I think having simple material always at your disposal is great, but you also need the time. And uh, I see a lot of people around me who love their kids and want to give them so much and give them so much, but in the end, the kids do not have as much free time as I did. And I think free time is important. I think daydreaming is important. I think looking out the window without doing anything is important. So so I don't think we need to be afraid of of those empty moments. Even when the child might say, I'm bored, maybe that's the beginning towards something else. There's nothing wrong with being bored no. because the child will not be bored very long. At some point, they will pick up something and yeah. do something. So I think those are, those are the, the, the advice I would give towards a very young child. Um, if, if a kid is a little bit interesting in doing graphic novels, I would say do not be afraid of doing it badly. Yeah. Because you have... There, there's nothing there's the important thing is doing it mm-hmm. if you try to do every little picture right and beautiful you're not going to go anywhere right the, the the goal of a graphic novel is doing a lot yeah and somehow even it's if it looks bad to you by doing it a lot it will get better and better and better without even you noticing that you're trying better yeah so I think that's important. And that's an advice I, I keep for myself. 
because you know there's a point where you try to be doing the perfect drawing and you can't do hundreds of them perfectly they they will be some that don't look that great and the reader will never see that the reader right. reads the story the reader recognizes the characters the reader knows who's speaking it doesn't matter that a hat is looking a little off right. or or hand is looking a little bit weird it doesn't matter right no, so that, absolutely for, right. that's an advice for graphic novels in particular i yeah. love it i heard uh, this piece of advice from someone a couple of years ago uh on on the topic of improvement and they mm -hmm. said do one thing at least just one thing every day and if that's all you do yeah. then you've done 365 things to improve by the end of the year that's beautiful. Right? That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So there I, you go. I love that idea that one tiny thing. There there was a line I liked somewhere. I think it's some where it goes along this way. Um, incremental progress is unstoppable. Yes. Oh. So that 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 I, I like that. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's all you can do is one little thing at a time anyway. Yes. So, exactly. so I, I do appreciate what you said. Yeah. Because yeah. I know for me, it's so daunting to think about large scale changes or improvements. But if you break it down yeah. into the incremental progress, yeah. it is unstoppable. I love that. Oh, well, as we are, uh, we're moving to the final set. So first of all, this has been incredible. We're, we're moving into the final segment of the show. It's a segment I like to call things to check out. So it's a, it's a section where I recommend something I'm reading, watching, or listening to, and then I invite my guests to do the same. So I'll go first. Uh, so I would say beyond purchasing Sylvie and beyond reading it a million different times in, in our own house, I would say the other thing that I'm currently reading, I'm actually, I'm really into, um, so I've been wrapping up the Hunger Games. I'm a big fan of the Hunger Games uh, series as well. I, I love to reread those. Um, but then the other thing that I actually really love to read, I read a lot of nonfiction. But the thing that I love most, I grew up playing sports. And so I am a, a bit obsessed with reading sports nonfiction, but not like top tier professional athletes, right? I'm talking about like minor league, college, high school, like Anything that is, I would say, outside of the limelight, I'm fascinated with the stories behind the people that participate at that level. And so a current book that I'm reading is by former guest John Rosengren called Blades of Glory. I've discussed on the show before, but it's about a, a 1990s hockey team, ice hockey team in Minnesota. So that's what I'm reading. I'm really enjoying it. Um, what I am, I would say, what, I'm not really listening to anything right now, but I would say what I'm currently watching um, I am uh, getting, I would say, probably actually getting ready uh, uh, to re to watch the latest season of Cobra Kai out on Netflix. So I grew up watching The Karate Kid, and I have really enjoyed the Cobra Kai series on Netflix. So that's coming out. Uh, by the time this episode is out, the series, the season will be live. So that's what I'm currently uh, reading and watching. So Sylvie, what are you reading, watching, or listening to at the moment? So um, reading... I have started many books that went back in the bag because I, as I'm getting older, I'm giving myself the permission to decide I don't enjoy this book. It doesn't work for me. It has great reviews, but it's not for me. I'm yeah. putting it back in the bag for the library. So I've gone through quite a few of those. So um, I'm going to say... Um, 
I often read uh, books for young readers and they often satisfy me as much as books for adults. And the one I read recently was uh, The One and Only Bob by Catherine Applegate. Oh. And that book is a follow-up of The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate, of course. You, you, you seem to enjoy that. Catherine, so I've not read those books, but I grew okay. up on Animorphs. That was okay. what I read. Obs- so my daughter uh, has been reading uh, only two things in our household. Sylvie, cover to cover, over and over and over again. And then also the entire Magic Treehouse series by Mary Pope Osborne. Okay. So those okay. are the two things that occupy her time right now. Um, when I was her age, well, uh, I would say a little bit older, but when I was 9, 10, 11... Um, I read the Animorph series from book one all the way to book 52, 53, plus all of the like side books that they had. So Catherine Applegate holds a special place in my heart forever and always for that piece of my childhood. That's funny. So so let me tell you, I, I read a few of them and I enjoyed them very much. And I didn't realize there were that many. <laughs> but um, the one and only Ivan, which I think was written quite a few years ago, and the one only Bob that was written re- more recently, have nothing to do with the animals. Right, right. I, I am aware of that. <laughs> very different. But um, I find those two books, and I understand that there is a third coming out, which is the one and only Ruby, uh, which is also uh, one of the three animals that start in the series. But in any case, the voice in those books are so endearing to me. And I, am, I marvel at how, how much you can say with such a spare text. That is uh, something I, I am in awe of. So I've really enjoyed that. Um, I also enjoy reading memoir. When you, we were talking about nonfiction, I read nonfiction, but that would be more memoirs. Mm. So I read a lot of memoirs. Um, recently, I read one called Educated, which is the memoir of a, of a young woman who lived in a... Oh, I would say her family was almost like a, a mini cult. And uh, oh, oh, how that's, she got um, out uh, of I, that situation. Yes, that's... um. Uh, oh, uh, what is the author's name? I, I will not remember the author I right heard um, Tara Westover. I heard Tara that's Westover it, it. give a speech a couple years ago at, I believe it was the Massachusetts Conference for Women, about her experience um, with it, writing Educated and then also the scenarios which led up to that. Can I? I didn't want to interrupt, was, but cannot recommend that highly enough. It was fa- it's fascinating, and and it is well written, so yeah. it has two good things that that work well. Um, and um, the, the, a book that really comes back to my mind that I read maybe a year ago, but to me it still comes back because it was so extraordinary to my way of thinking was uh, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, Clara and the Sun, and Clara spelled with a K. It's the story of a um, an artificial intelligence robot that is programmed to be the friend of a child, and it all seen through the eyes of that robot. And oh, it wow. is to me incredibly moving. The robot was actually more moving than the humans around her. So That's that was that was a very beautiful book to my way of thinking. Um, 
can't say I'm listening to anything in particular. There's sometimes a little bit of music going on, but I, I, I've been working in a lot of silence. Uh, sure. So uh, when when work is very intense, I'd rather have silence so I don't get distracted. Sure. But I've been watching a series called The Detectorists. No, Ooh. not The, just Detectorists. Okay. And it is... Um, it is absolutely charming. There's some. It's it's very much realism. It's in a little uh, country village in in Britain, and uh, I feel like sometimes those people are my friends now. Yeah. Do, do you know how it feels when you watch a, a series over a long period of time and you discuss who they are with yeah. your partner or friends? Yeah. They become your friends. They become real. So. Yeah. Uh, that that that's the show I, I just watched uh, maybe in the last couple of weeks and and very 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 fond of it. I love that. Well, these are fantastic recommendations, and I forgot I was also going to recommend for folks to check out since we were talking about uh, French art and French graphic novels. I also grew up uh, reading uh, and watching The Adventures of Ten Ten. So oh. yes. <laughs> So there was like a, yeah, there was a cartoon show in, in the, in the 90s or so. I don't know if it was first aired then or if it was reruns, but it was on Nickelodeon here. Um, and that's where I first saw it. Then I saw all of the comics in the library, read those. Um, and then they had the, the, the live action movie. I think it was about 10 years or so, or not live action, another animated feature film uh, that was about 10 years or so ago. And it was it's fantastic. I, I love, I, I love that. I, um, in fact, the movie make it, that was made by Steven Spielberg. Yes, that's it? right. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it, for the, for the fans of Tintin, it was fantastic. Yes. To watch. I, I love I loved it. Yeah. It's excellent. Uh, well, Sylvie, this has been fantastic. If people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm, um, I think they would have to be able to spell my name. <laughs> and then once they have that, they're all set because you can Google my name. There's only one of me, uh, as far as I can tell. I know there are others, but uh, when you Google my name, I show up and uh, they can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. There's also, uh, and also my website, but that's not, for, that's for information. Perfect. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know lovely, it Joe. made my day and it definitely made my daughter's year. So I yeah. really appreciate it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, thank you for having me on. That was lovely. You're welcome. And listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.